after that song, it, I was thinking about what Dean Bullock used to sometimes say after you had just a very good reading of the scripture and then you have an outstanding song service and a, and a prayer that's thoughtful and, and a, where we can say a hearty amen after the prayer. He used to say we could end the service now and be very blessed. But I guess we'll have to get into Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 and starting in verse 19. Y'all have a, a lot of great, uh, talented people here. What a blessing it is indeed. In Hebrews chapter 10, starting in 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the curtain, that is his flesh. Verse 21. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another so as to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. The purpose of the writing of Hebrews was for the edifying of the Jewish brethren's faith in the midst of persecution and to encourage them to remain faithful to the Lord. And we need that admonition today to continue to be faithful to the Lord no matter what our outward circumstances are. You see, they were tempted just like we are tempted to turn our backs on the faith in Christ Jesus. And the reason they would do that is that somehow they thought it would eliminate the alienation and hardship that's coming from the world. But what the Hebrew writer is trying to get across in this great exhortation is that Jesus is the only way to God. Jesus is the only way to heaven. And the only hope for the reward of heaven is by following Christ, even when it's not easy, even when we are alienated, and even when we are persecuted. And the admonitions in the, the latter part of Hebrews 10 emphasize that we must remain strong in the midst of tribulations and suffering. The Hebrew writer gives reasons and incentives and encouragements to stick to it, to never give in and never give up. You see, we can stand strong, ladies and gentlemen, because of our access to God through Christ Jesus. Again, look at verse 19 when he says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood, of Jesus. What a great passage. Notice he says, by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the curtain, that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, 
for he who promised is faithful. We have a great high priest in the true sanctuary of heaven. He entered into heaven having given his blood as an atonement for us. Thanks be to God that he did that. We can not only have our sins washed away and be saved in this life, but we can also be saved eternally in heaven. We have confidence of our access into the very presence of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. How is this access attained initially? Well, we have to have faith in Christ Jesus. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We have to repent of our sins. Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. We have to confess Jesus as Christ, just as the Ethiopian eunuch said, See here is water what hindereth me from being baptized. And Philip told him, If thou believest, thou mayest. And he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We continually make that confession, but we make that confession before we're baptized into Christ. And baptism it is the culmination of our salvation because we can have our sins washed away by access to the blood of Christ. Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. You know, people will say that I believe in faith only. You believe in baptism only. And I'll say, well, that's not a true statement. <laughs> I believe it's going to take it all. We're going to have to have faith. We're going to have to have repentance. We're going to have to have confession. We're going to have to have baptism. And that faith comes by hearing the word of God. It's going to take it all. We have to do all the Lord wants us to do if we want our sins washed away. And so how, after initially we become Christians, how can we maintain the access to God? Well, by, by being faithful to God, to live lives that are honorable to him, that are based upon the word of God, by worshiping him in spirit and in truth, by worshiping him acceptably, to assemble together in a local church like this with the saints of God, trying to serve the Lord in the Lord's way. And by going out in that world and trying to reach people with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ and letting our light shine to, that they can see our good works. That is, people of the world can see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. And then when we do sin, isn't it wonderful what 1 John 1 and verse 9 says in regard to that? If we do sin, it, that gave me a lot of consolation when I first became a Christian, that when I, when I sinned, I could ask the Lord for, rep for, for repentance, and I confess, could confess to him my sin, and he would forgive my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. That was great consolation, and after all these years of being a Christian, it's still great consolation that I have access to God. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And notice he says to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That gives me hope. That gives me consolation. That gives me access to God. 
It gives us all access to God. And thanks be to God, we have that access. It's so interesting to me that here we have this direct access to God by Jesus Christ, and many people do not avail themselves that access. There's people that maybe even in this audience that you're not a Christian. Here you can be saved by faith in Christ Jesus. You can be baptized to have your sins washed away. And this is the acceptable day to do it. This is the perfect day to do it. And you will not avail yourself of that access, but you can, even tonight. And those are may, there's also people in this audience that you know that you're not living right in regard to faithfulness to Christ, and you can have access to him again through confession and repentance. Even tonight. We can do that tonight. We have access to Christ through to God by Jesus Christ our faith can continue to be firm and we can st stand strong against the devil and all these alluring elements of the world. Since Jesus is our great high priest, we should draw near to God with a full confidence of faith and a sincere heart. And this is the only way we can approach God. If we do not have a sincere heart and obedient faith, our access will be denied. Uh, I, I, years ago, when Christy and I, we've probably been married uh, probably 10 years. No, probably not that long. Probably seven, seven years. And we went, Reagan was probably, Reagan was probably about three or four. We went to a gospel meeting at a place in the, in the Lubbock area. And the preacher there, he was going to help our prayer life. And, and keep in mind, we had a three or four-year-old. And this guy, his, his idea about public prayer was that if you did not pray for at least 20 minutes, then that was just not a very good public prayer. And I remember, I remember thinking at the time, you mean to tell me when I was a new Christian and I was working my, for my brother at the tire shop with tears in my eyes, putting a lug nut on and crying out to God, God, help me. Help me, Lord, help me. Help me be faithful, Lord. Help me overcome these temptations that have been my past life. Help me, Lord. That that's not an acceptable uh, prayer. It is a private prayer. But, it, but is it the length? That's the significant thing? Or is it the expression of our hearts and minds to God? And then they had, they had three elders... And after he had preached a sermon of about 40 minutes, he said, now we're going to get the elders up here and each one of them are going to lead a 20-minute prayer. And so every one of those elders, they must have written it out. I don't think I could go 20 minutes in a public prayer. And so we're, Reagan was starting to get uh, squirmy. And he's usually a laid-back kid, but after the first 20-minute prayer, I didn't know if we were going to make it. <laughs> and then after the second 20-minute prayer, I said, well, are we going to have to just kind of, 
I never left a, a service in the middle, but Reagan was just getting just almost out of control. And I was thinking about, what about the other people with joy? And then we finally made it through the, the third prayer. It just sounds terrible, me even talking about it, doesn't it? And then the service was over. We have access to God. It can be just, Lord, help me. I need your help, Lord. And then our hearts can be cleaned from an evil conscience that's polluted with sin and guilt. And we can have access to God again. And our conscience is cleansed when we were initially baptized into Jesus Christ and have our sins washed away. That's the very thing that Peter is talking about in 1 Peter chapter 1, 3 and verse 21. <laughs> Therefore, there is also an antitype which now save us, namely baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, our clean conscience is maintained as we repent and confess our sins and ask for God's forgiveness. And our bodies are washed with pure water when we obey the Lord in baptism. And because of this humble obedience, we have all our sins washed away. We become spiritually clean, and we now have access to God by Jesus Christ. And we can therefore persevere because of the freedom and boldness and confidence and access that we have to God in Christ. And this gives us the courage to hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, even during difficult and discouraging times. And the grounds for this courage lie in the fact that there is no way that the promise of eternal salvation will fail if we're faithful to the Lord. Because it is made by the God who's faithful and reliable when he speaks and thus he can be counted on to do what he had promised. He will reward those who persevere. And in Hebrews chapter 4, in Hebrews chapter 4, looking at verses 14 through 16, notice with me. The Hebrew writer says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in time of need. This just reminds us that Jesus is the great high priest and that he was passed through the heavens. He sits at the right hand of God and is the Lord of lords and King of kings. Jesus, as high priest in heaven, makes intercession for the people of God. So thankful that Jesus is in heaven making intercession for us. And because of this, we should be motivated to hold fast to our confession or to pers persist and our commitment to him by continued faithfulness. And since Jesus totally understands our plight to remain faithful to him, we should not, with confidence, draw near to his throne of grace. Remember, 
He says in verse 15 of Hebrews 4, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. And because of that, we can draw near to his throne of grace. And that refers to his position as king who renders grace or mercy toward his subjects and make our personal petitions to him for mercy and help in time of need. And to neglect the place of prayer is to rob ourselves of immense and timely resources. For the Christian, the throne of grace is a place of help. And then secondly, we can stand strong because we are not alone. My good friend Wayne Fancher used to, to put it this way. We need to stop trying to be solitary soldier and think that everything in life, we can just go it alone. We don't know, need anyone's help. We don't need anybody to, to lead us along and guide us and, and uh, sometimes even correct us. We are going to be a solitary soldier. That's not what the Lord intended. The Lord intended for us to be a part of a family of God, just like this Timberland Drive family. And we can stand strong in the Lord because we do have one another. We gather together with our spiritual family to do what we did tonight, to pray, to sing, to learn the truth, and to exhort one another with love and good works, and even read the scriptures publicly. And to stir up to love and good works is to have the same kind of selfless, sacrificial love that Jesus had and manifested toward us. We also can set the example to one another in regard to doing good works. We must keep in mind that good works are the expressions of our faith and of our brotherly love. Colossians 3.16 put it this way, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And remember in Ephesians 5 and verse 18, it said we're filled with the Spirit, and then it answers how we're filled with the Spirit here. As we let the word of Christ dwell in us richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace to your hearts to the Lord. I, I love to sing. I love to sing. It's, it's so interesting when you preach, uh, like me, all my life, uh, you rarely get opportunities to lead, to lead singing. Uh, I've been at Rice Road seven years, and we have all this great talent in song leaders, and I've led three times. But I love I loved to sing. And one of my favorite stories about the song leading was about a, a guy that the elders came up to him, and, and he could not. He loved to lead singing, but he couldn't carry a tune. And so they, they came up to him, and they said, well, that's awkward, isn't it? Wouldn't that be awkward? So they came up to him and said, Brother so-and-so, you know, you're, you, you don't have the ability to really carry a tune. And he said, uh, it kind of throws everybody off in the congregation. You, you think we can figure out something else you can do in, in the public service? You know, so, you know, you, 
you have a problem with not being able to carry a tune? And that brother looked at him and said, well, well that's y'all's problem. <laughs> you get the point, don't you? What is he doing? He's singing with grace in his heart to the Lord. It's hard to argue with. And my friend Wayne Fancher, he he tells it of himself that uh, that he cannot uh, carry a tune, but it's fun to sit by him and and he just hear him just with that low deep voice just uh, miss every bass note there is and. <laughs> And but he is sincerely praising God in song. It doesn't matter if you're the best singer in the world or you can't carry a tune. If you sing with grace in your hearts to the Lord, the Lord is pleased. And we need to have that kind of mentality, that kind of heart when we come to worship. And it should motivate us to sing with the Spirit and understanding. Isn't it a wonderful thing that the Lord wanted us to sing a cappella as a congregation and to be able to admonish and encourage one another in doing that? And it's so interesting, just like tonight and this morning, when each of us contributes to that singing, contributes to the, the care of listening to the preaching and teaching of the gospel is attuned to one another in regard to helping people that need that helping hand or need that word of encouragement. That person that writes that note to that widow or other person that's hurting that needs encouragement and help, that person that will just go to somebody's house and do what needs to be done without even being asked. That's the whole body of Christ. That's the local church doing things together and trying to remain strong in the Lord. I think that's what Paul was trying to get across in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 14. How our body, how the body works in making a spiritual application to that. Instead, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 14. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, Behold, I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body as it, as it has pleased him. And if they were all one member, where would be the where would the body be? And now they are many members, yet one body. Well, what's the point by Paul? The spiritual body is like a, a human body. Every member is important and must work together if the body is going to work appropriately. And secondly, it takes all kinds of members to make the whole body function properly. I think about when I was in the school business and superintendent for many years, and you had, you had all these different people from different backgrounds, different abilities, but you had to make it work as a group 
And I used to call it the Patton Springs family. We had to be a family if we're going to do what's best for these kids, and that's what it, we were all about. And then Reagan got, I think he got ticked off at some teacher and came into my office and said, Dad, why is that person here? I just don't think they rise to the level of, the, of where a Patton Springs teacher needs to be. And so I told him, well, Reagan, it takes all kinds. You never know what the good looks like until you see a little bit of the bad. And then you take the bad and you try to build them up to, to the heights that you can build them. And then you take the, this person over here that has this great ability and you uh, motivate them to become greater. I said, it takes all kinds. It takes all kinds. And then years later, I was getting discouraged about something. I called Reagan up. And I said, you know, I'm having trouble with this coach and, and uh, I just don't know what to do with him. And then Reagan, uh, as he often does, said, well, a wise man told me one time, it, it takes all the kinds. <laughs> and you're going to have to do what you can, Daddy, to see if you can build that guy up to where he needs to be. And that's the way it is in the family of God. It, it takes all kinds. God arranged the spiritual body with different kinds of members. We have different personalities. We have different talents. We have different abilities and gifts. But we make it work by functioning, functioning together as a whole in Christ Jesus. See where the emphasis is? Christ Jesus. It's not about me. It's about you. It's about the group. It's about us serving one another. Forgetting self and serving others. One writer noted, we are to persevere because we have one another to help. As a writer urges us to hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess in Hebrews 10, 23, he does so in the context of community. Gather together often. Consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. You see, we lose that sense of community when we do not consistently assemble with the saints. And this not only causes us to grow weaker in the faith, but causes others to be discouraged. I think about when we go to different places throughout the United States and the world. When we assemble with the saints when we're gone, I think about the small church in Harlingen, Texas, when I see, go see my brother in Mac Island, and then we go to South Padre Island some. I remember Reagan and his family were with us, and Christy and I, we went on Wednesday night to that small church in Harlingen, Texas. You thought that, that they had uh, just had a boost in, in all their financial, uh, in, in every financial way but it was a spiritual boost. Those people were so glad we were there, and they got Reagan to preach that night. Brethren are encouraged when we're here, when you, even when we're gone. And we, when we come together as a family, we encourage one another.
How can we hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering and stir up others with love and good works if we do not faithfully assemble with them? Well, it's very, very hard to do. Sadly, not faithfully assembling with our spiritual family is often a sign of deeper spiritual problems. We need to examine ourselves and ask the question, why are we not doing that? I was a young Christian, and I was, I was attending every uh, service, and I knew I needed the strength. And I remember I was watching a program on Sunday afternoon, and it wasn't quite over. And Mother said, are you going to services? And I said, well, I, I think I'll just finish this. Sometimes you need a nudge. So Mother looked at me. If you, if you knew my mother, a giver. Can't already talk about her. Giver. She'd give her life for, for people. And she said, just... Just go ahead and turn that off, and let's go worship the Lord. And you know what I did? I went and turned that TV off, got in the car with her, and went and worshiped the Lord. This is where we need to be on a Sunday afternoon. This is where we need to be every time the doors are open. And that leads me to my next point. We can stand strong because we know where we are going. That, that's so helpful. Notice Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 31. Hebrews 10 and verse 31. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you entered a great struggle with sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle both by reproaches and tribulations and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you had compassion on me and my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods knowing in yourselves that you have a better and enduring possession in heaven. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you will receive the promise. You see, brethren, if we are faithful to the Lord, it is a wonderful thing to fall into his hands. But if we are unfaithful, it is a, truly a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And that's why the Hebrew writer encourages us to remember better days when we were first converted to Christ, when we had, had zeal toward the Lord, that we have love in our hearts toward the Lord and one another, and we had, were involved in good works and faithfully endured great conflicts in our lives and sufferings with the confidence of these past victories, we can come out of the present or future sufferings victorious and faithful. And as a spiritual family, we intentionally associate with one another in the midst of tribulations and sufferings 
So why do we joyfully endure sufferings ourselves and help support others going through the fire? Because we have a better and an enduring possession in heaven. That is why we hang on to our confidence in the Lord, which brings an ultimate reward in heaven. We need endurance to continue to do the will of the Lord. We need endurance to overcome the sins in our lives. We need endurance to remain faithful during trials and tribulations. You see, life is long and life is short. On the one hand, life is long. In the course of a lifetime, there will be tests and trials and difficulties that require stickability, patience, endurance, and perseverance. Patient endurance is, is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. And on the other hand, life is short. In a short time, we either have died or Jesus will have returned. For in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. And some days we may think we're being kicked around for doing good, targets of abuse because of our faith, and judged harshly because of who we are. But always remember, no one can touch our true treasure in heaven. So if we keep the faith, we will be blessed with eternal glory in heaven. Well, I want to leave you with three admonitions. Number one, write a letter of encouragement to the widows this week. That's something we all can do. Number two, Seek help from a brother or sister you trust. There's somebody that you trust that you can seek help. And number three, pray for every Timberland Drive member this week by name. Go through the directory a few names per day as you pray for each member's needs. When Reagan was, I guess Reagan was about three, we were in Lubbock, Texas. And I used to take him, you might be shocked at this, I used to take him to the driving range, three years old. He could get that little uh, plastic club and, and he could hit that uh, plastic golf ball a long way. And so this, this guy, he was getting fascinated by me getting and Reagan would come here and hit a little bit. And he came up to us and said, you got a cute little kid. It's kind of a conversation starter. And he, he said, what do you do for a living? I said, well, I, I, I preach here, here in Lubbock. And then he, he said, well, preacher, have you ever figured out how we can take it with us? And I said, yes. Yes, I have. I have. He said, Really? Really, how can we take it with us? And then I quoted that, and I'm not going to trust my memory on this. I said, here's how you can take it with you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. 
For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And he looked at me, and he said, uh, well, it's been nice talking to you. And went and started hitting balls again. <laughs> but that's the only way we're going to take it with us. We're not going to take these physical things with us. It'll be like all that stuff we got out of my dad's house. I mean, he is just cont as content in that apartment and assisted living as he was after mother died in that lonely house. He's more content. And I think he just didn't, he wanted to close his eyes, uh, close his eyes and put his hands over his ears. He didn't want to know what we were throwing away. <laughs> but it's just stuff. It's just stuff. And it's going to go the way of the world. But the enduring thing that we can give to ourselves and our children and our grandchildren is the spiritual. If you're not a Christian, then I think about that. Will you come while together we stand and sing?